welcome to the Do Till Sermons podcast, a ministry of Do Till Church in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. Each week we share the message from our Sunday services. Be sure to click subscribe and follow along every week. Today is the third part of our series, Christmas, The Real Story, which walks verse by verse through the Christmas story in Luke 2. The message is titled, The Weird World of Sheep, and is based on Luke 2, verses 8 through 12. Hear now this week's message from Senior Pastor Tom Parkinson. It's been a little more than a decade ago that television producers garnered hundreds of millions of watchers by creating a series of shows that documented the lives of people with less than glorious careers. I'm talking about shows like Dirty Jobs, Ice Road Truckers, The Great Fisherman Catch, and Axemen. Anybody watch those shows? You know what those shows do is they give us a little glimpse into the unique and sometimes dangerous and very dirty jobs of people whose lives make for great television, but we don't typically dream of having their careers. And the stars of those reality shows, they're not your typical Hollywood celebrities. They're the the rough-faced, potty-mouthed fishermen who go out into the Bering Sea in shirts of Alaskan sea crabs, or they're the long-bearded, beer-drinking loggers who, you know, take all kinds of risk to fell these mammoth trees, or, or they're the, the daredevil risk-taking truckers who take their big rigs out on frozen lakes to try to get supplies across the Alaskan countryside. And when we see the celebrities of these reality shows, they're just not like other Hollywood stars. We find their lives very entertaining, but they're a little rough around the edges, so we might be hesitant to invite them to dinner. There's a lot of Hollywood stars where we kind of covet their lifestyle, or we want to be like them, or we'd love to trade places with them. Not the case with these reality stars. We find them entertaining, but we don't want to be them. Well, you know, if the producers of the Discovery Channel had been living 2,000 years ago in the days of Jesus... I imagine they would have made a reality television show documenting the lives of shepherds. Shepherds had a dirty job. And shepherds had one of those jobs that was really interesting from the outside, but nobody really wanted to do it. As a matter of fact, I think if the producers were creating their show, they might call it the weird world of sheep. This is just kind of a weird life to be a shepherd. Now, here's the thing about sheep. Sheep were essential to the Israelite economy in the first century. The ancient Jews, they could not eat, they could not get dressed, they couldn't even worship God without sheep. The the wool of the sheep was used to make most clothing and linens. Uh, the, The sheep's lean, tender, tasty meat was a staple in the Israelite diet. And when the Israelites would gather for worship at the temple in Jerusalem, every morning and every evening, a lamb would be sacrificed on the altar. And so behind every article of clothing and every meal that they ate and even every worship service they held, there were sheep, which means there were shepherds who were responsible for raising enough sheep to meet the incessant demands of the Israelite economy. So shepherds made the economy go. And if it wasn't for them, 
the Israelite economy would have crashed. And yet, for how important their role was, nobody dreamed of being a shepherd because it was not a dream job. We're not talking about a nine-to-five job. A shepherd's role is 24-7 because you saw the video Pastor Jim just shared. Sheep are inherently stupid, and so they have to be watched constantly. You can't ever leave the flock. What is more, a shepherd's job was dangerous because particularly at nighttime, sheep were vulnerable to predators like wolves who would come in and try to to ravage the flock. Or there were bandits and thieves that would come in at night and try to steal sheep. And so shepherds would use their staff to battle off wolves and to scare away bandits. What is more, in the ancient Judean countryside, there was a lot of desert regions and there were wild weather phenomena, sandstorms and thunderstorms that could cause the flock to scatter. And so shepherds, they, they slept in shifts. There was always somebody keeping watch. And even if you fell asleep, you always had one eye open and an ear open for these sheep. And shepherds, they didn't have a home. They didn't have a place to live. They lived where the sheep lived, and they often laid down to sleep on the cold desert floor. What is more, shepherds were poor. In spite of the fact that the sheep were important to the economy, shepherds never owned the sheep. Wealthy people owned the sheep, and they hired shepherds to take care of them. So the shepherds, they didn't have a lot of resources, but they had this really hard, really dirty job. And in spite of how important their job was for the local economy, shepherds were also despised by the wider culture. Well, one reason they were despised is because shepherds were smelly people. They smelled bad. You would too if you spent 24-7 with sheep. More than that, they were very rough, rugged people. They used vulgar language. They weren't the most religious. And they were considered by many to simply be uncivilized. And so these shepherds, these rough shepherds, they were ostracized by the culture. Did you know that shepherds were not allowed to attend public worship at the temple in Jerusalem? They were considered unclean, unholy, and they were not welcome to come to public worship. Think about the irony of this. The same public worship that required sheep to be sacrificed on the altar, sheep that was raised by the shepherds, they wouldn't allow those shepherds in the doors to participate in the worship. That's how despised the shepherds were. And so we ought to catch this irony from the Christmas story, that despite the lowly status of shepherds, God chose some shepherds to be the first to come and worship the newborn Jesus. God said, they might not let you in the temple, but I'm going to bring you to the manger. They might not let you into the house of worship that they built with their hands, but I'm going to let you be the first to sing the praises of the Messiah. Because you see, while the world despises shepherds, God has an affinity for the work of the shepherd. In the Old Testament, it was the great prophet Moses who spent 40 years of his life as a shepherd over the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro. And it was when he was in the midst of shepherding his sheep that Moses saw a burning bush and that God appeared to him for the first time. 
Fast forward in time, the great King David, before he found himself in the halls of power, he was a young shepherd boy. Shepherding where? In a small village called Bethlehem. And when God described his relationship with his people Israel, he always described himself as shepherd and his people as the sheep. Psalm 23 famously says it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God has a special place in God's heart for shepherds. And so God chooses shepherds to be a big part of this Christmas story. Well, two weeks ago, when we last were together in Luke chapter 2, we left Mary and Joseph in that crowded city of Bethlehem where they were squeezed into the first floor of the house of one of David's relatives and where the manger, the feeding trough of the animals, was used as a makeshift crib for the newborn Jesus. And now today we continue the story in Luke 2 verse 8 where it says this, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. What were the shepherds doing on the night Christ was born? They were working the night shift, like they always do. And remember the context of this Christmas story. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, had issued the decree that everybody had to go to their ancestral hometown to be counted for the census. And yet, where were the shepherds? Out in the fields working. Everybody else was going to their hometown. The shepherds weren't. Why? Because they were homeless. They were nomads. They didn't have a home to return to. For these shepherds, Caesar's census was just a reminder of how low they were on the social ladder. They weren't even worthy enough to be counted in the census because they had no home. And so we have these shepherds out working the night shift. They have absolutely no idea that a baby has been born in the nearby village of Bethlehem. And even if they knew, what does it matter to them? Babies are born all the time. The story continues in verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The darkness that surrounded them and their sheep was pierced by this bright light of an angel, and the shepherds become terrified. Now, these shepherds, they're not wimps. These are brave courageous men. They've battled wolves and bandits, and they are terrified by the appearance of the angel. Why? Well, because these shepherds are discovering the same thing that Moses did when he first encountered God, that Isaiah did when he first encountered God, and that is that when you find yourself standing in the presence of a holy, almighty, and righteous God, it's a scary experience. They're terrified. But God, through the angel, calms their fears. And then the angel speaks some of the most memorable words in the Christmas story, words that we could literally spend weeks reflecting on, a powerful message given to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy 
for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, I underlined three particular words and phrases in the angel's announcement. Good news, Savior, and Lord. Now, underline those for a particular reason. Remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, who was at the time the most powerful man in the world? Caesar Augustus believed himself to be divine. He was regularly referred to as the Savior of the world, and he referred to himself as Lord and God. And anytime Caesar Augustus would visit a town in the Roman Empire, he would send heralds ahead of him, and they would go into the town, and they would say, I bring you good news. The great Emperor Augustus, the Savior of the world, the Lord, is coming. And yet, what the shepherds in fields outside of Bethlehem would find is that Emperor Augustus' reign isn't really good news for them. And that if he's saving anybody, it doesn't seem to be them because they're living a difficult life in which they are despised, hated, and loathed in spite of the essential service that they provide society. And so what is the angel saying to them? I'm bringing you real good news. And this good news isn't that Caesar Augustus is coming to town. This is good news that there is a Savior. There is a Lord who's the Messiah of Israel, and he is born to you. In other words, the angel says, this Messiah that you've probably heard about back when you were in Jewish Sunday school, right? This Messiah, he's not for the rich and famous. He's not for the religious elite. He's for you, the shepherds. This is your Savior. And what is more, the angel says, this Savior has come to you today, right here, right now. And the message to the shepherds is that the sign that they will have found their Savior is they'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Now, on one level, it's so unimpressive. But do you realize what it would have meant to shepherds? If ever there was somebody who could understand a makeshift bed made out of a manger, it was shepherds. They had a makeshift bed every night. When they show up and they see Mary and Joseph and the baby, and they've heard this word from the angel that this baby is their Savior, I think they're looking at it like, wow, my Savior must understand me because he knows what it's like to be humbled by this world. And he knows what it's like to have no place to lay his head. And that's my story. And imagine what the conversation was like when, when they told Mary and Joseph why they came, because Mary and Joseph had to be like, why are these shepherds coming? And the shepherds are like, well, there was this angel, and it was really bright. And Mary and Joseph had to be like, yeah, we know exactly what you're talking about. That same angel came to us. And there's this moment of worship and praise that happens through these shepherds. And this salvation comes to these shepherds. Such that by the end of the night, the shepherds are going around telling other people about the amazing thing they saw in Bethlehem, and all they saw was a baby in a manger. And then it says at the end of Luke 2 that what the shepherds did next is they returned. They went back to the fields. They went back to the sheep. They went back to work. 
You know, I almost wonder if in the days, weeks, and months after that Christmas night, if the shepherds had to pinch themselves and wonder if it was all a dream. On one hand, today a Savior is born to them. On another hand, tomorrow we go back to the fields. It wouldn't feel like life had changed all that much for them. And yet, don't you know that for the rest of their lives, those shepherds lived with that memory of that moment when they realized, God sees me. And God speaks to me. And this culture might tell me I'm not worthy to go to the temple and worship, but my God thought enough of me to let me go to the footstool of the manger. You see, what that angel did for those shepherds was give them hope. And hope won't change your circumstances, but hope changes everything, doesn't it? You can endure anything when you have hope. It occurs to me as Christmas is just one week away that Christmas comes every year, and every year it, we fill with this anticipation of the love, joy, peace that Jesus brings. And we do everything we can to get ourselves ready to have that silent night, right? That moment when we really bask in the peace and joy of it all. And what happens? But as soon as Christmas is over, we return. We go right back into the life we're already living. You know, for one day, we try to like put aside our problems put aside our worries and put aside our struggles to try to just embrace the joy of Jesus, but then we return right back to it. So what does it mean to say today a Savior's been born to you? Well, what it means is this. When you find yourself in the darkness like those shepherds did, and when you find yourself in the hard circumstances of life, you can know this, God sees you. And when the world tries to say things about you that aren't true, and when you feel defined and you feel labeled and you feel boxed in, God sees you. And the good news of Christmas is not just that God sees you, but God comes to you. And God meets you in the middle of the dark. I know that when we come to Christmas, there are those of us that carry a heaviness. Maybe you feel the heaviness of a past that you can't seem to get away from, or, or you feel the heaviness of a grief in your heart and life that you just can't get over, or, or maybe you feel the heaviness of uncertainty about your future or frustration in your family. You're trying to raise your kids, but they're not listening very well these days. Or maybe you're feeling the frustration of a marriage that seems to be strained or friendships that aren't working, or your family's about to get together for Christmas, but nobody's getting along, and you feel this heaviness, and you know that on the other side of Christmas, that stuff's not just going to change. Christmas means hope for all people. And the good news that came to the shepherds is the good news that comes to you. A Savior's been born to you today. And while it may not change your circumstances, it will absolutely change your outlook. Because here's the thing about hope. Hope means that your best days are in front of you. Your best days are in front of you. Your life has not peaked yet. There's more to come. 
And because of the child born in Bethlehem, you have hope not only of eternal life in heaven, but you have hope of love, joy, and peace that would cause you to praise with the shepherds even in the midst of the dark situations you find yourself in now. That's the real story of Christmas. Now, there's a lot of Hallmark movies in my house at this time of year. And you know the thing I notice about a, a Hallmark movie? Everybody dresses so nice. Like even when they're outside and it snows, like the snow's never dirty. There's never a salt truck anywhere. The Christmas trees are almost as elaborate as this one, but they're all so pretty. It's like, you know, Christmas was the exact opposite of a Hallmark card. It was a mess. When those shepherds showed up that night, they smelled like sheep crap. I'm just being honest, right? It's what they smelled like. And Christmas comes to people in the middle of the mess and says, there's hope for you. If your life doesn't look like a Hallmark card, good. Christmas is for you. There's hope for you. That your best days lie in front of you. And that's what Jesus means to a world in need. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you love shepherds. We thank you that you love the outcast and the outsider. We thank you that you love people who have been labeled as too broken by the world. Because we confess to you, O oh God, that that's each and every one of us. Our lives are far from a Hallmark card. Our hearts wander far astray from you. We're like sheep. We repeatedly do the things we shouldn't do but we know that you're our good shepherd. And so this Christmas, we open our hearts all over again to receive the good news of Jesus, to receive the news that there is no part of us that's too dirty, that it can't be cleaned, to receive the good news that we've been included in the banquet feast of your kingdom. And as we receive that good news today, may it inspire us to praise and may it help us return to our life and to our world as those who are full of hope. And may that hope shine through us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Dutel Church. A great way to respond to the message is to click on the discussion guide in the episode description. The guide is designed to help you reflect on the sermon individually or with a small group. We'd love to have you join us at Dutel Church for our weekly worship services. We worship at 9.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings, and you can worship with us in person or live online at dutillchurch.org. Please join us on the podcast for next week's message. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you.